0: We're going through the 23rd Psalm this summer. We started in the first weekend in June, and here we are in the middle of July. Can you all believe it? It is the middle of July. Football is coming, baby. Yes, yes. I'll be glad when all these sissy sports are finished and we get into some real football. Um, We're going to begin a brand new message today in the series. We've done two messages Our first message was from Psalm 23.1. We talked about our contentment in God, our satisfaction in God. And uh, then in verse 2, we talked about how God helps us deal with stress. We talked about God's stress reduction plan. And today, we're beginning a brand new message entitled, How to Get Strong in God and Stay Strong in God. Anybody interested in that? how to get strong and stay strong. Let me ask you um, a question. What do the following men have in common? Jacob, David, Samson, Simon Peter, John Mark, and Pharaoh Hardison. What do those men have in common? I put myself in some good company there, didn't I? Here's the answer. All of these are men of God, who love God, who have gotten away from God, and had to be restored back to God. And your name could be in that list as well, because every one of us, to one degree or another, have strayed away, gotten away from God, realized we were away from Him, and had to be brought back. Into his fold. It is the nature of a sheep to wander. It is the nature of sheep to stray away, to get away from the shepherd. It is not our nature to go toward the shepherd, it is our nature to leave the shepherd. You remember the song of the old hymn, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. It is our nature. It is the nature we inherited from Adam and Eve. But I got good news for you. As surely as it is your nature and my nature to get away from God, to get away from the shepherd, to stray away from the shepherd, can I say to you today that it is the shepherd's nature to go get you? It is the shepherd's nature. To go and bring you back. Hallelujah for that. As a matter of fact, in Luke 15, he told us, I will leave 99 safe sheep, and I will go after the one who is in danger. I will go after the one who has gone the wrong way. No wonder David exalted his shepherd so much throughout the scriptures. It was David who wrote, he restoreth my soul. And nobody knew more about having to be restored back to God than David did. Y'all remember his episode, don't you, with Bathsheba? You remember how David was a warrior and should have gone to war with his men, but he was lazy See, we don't think laziness is really serious, but look at what it did to David. You see, it isn't, it isn't where a sin is at that moment when you decide to sin. It's where that sin's going to take you. See, when a train's going to New York City and some guy comes along and pulls the lever and slides those two little slivers of rail over and you get off of the track going to New York City and all of a sudden you're... Headed to Los Angeles, California on that train. In the beginning, you can't even tell that train switched tracks. But the further down the road it gets, the more you see it getting off the path. And that's the way it is when we begin to get away from God, when we begin to stray away from God. Um, Casting Crowns has a song called Slow Fade. Y'all heard that song? It's a slow fade. And David experienced that. He was lazy, so he should have been in battle, but instead of being in battle, he just strolled out on his his veranda, on his balcony, and saw a woman bathing and lusted after her. So laziness led to lust. Laziness led to lust. And lust led to adultery because he called her to himself, he was the king. He could have anybody he wanted, but that wasn't enough. He sent her husband to the hottest line of battle and told his general, Joab, he said, when you get him there, desert him so that he will be killed. And he was killed. So David started with laziness, and then he moved to lust, and then he moved to adultery, and then to murder. It all started with laziness. It's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. Some of you here today know of a time when your walk with God was better, healthier, sweeter, deeper, more joyful. You fooled a lot of people. You got a lot of people fooled. You got your pastor fooled maybe. I don't know. Got your family fooled, your wife, your children. But there's two people who know about your slow fade. It's you and God. You guys know. God loves you and he's calling you back. This message is for people today who have gotten away, who are going in the wrong direction. David was that guy. You see, when people have sin in their life and they're fading and they're going away from God, you know what they get? They get real judgmental. You ever notice that? People who are hiding stuff in their life, they get real judgmental of other people. They get real um, bitter and harsh and, and ornery. David's sitting up on his throne. He's like Scrooge. And Nathan the prophet comes in, the pastor comes by for a visit. He goes, Hey David, how you doing? He goes, I want to tell you a story, David. I want to tell you a story about this guy who had so many sheep. I mean, he was really, really, really rich. And he had so many sheep, he couldn't even count them all. But he had a next-door neighbor who had just one little lamb. He said, and guess what happened, David? A stranger came through one day and stopped at the rich man's house. And in that Middle Eastern culture, when you stop by somebody's house, They were supposed to provide food and even a night, uh, a place to spend the night. It was just the culture. It was just how you treated people. And so he said, you know what that guy did, David, that had all those sheep? Instead of him uh, um, slaughtering one of his own sheep and cooking it for this traveler, he went over and got that guy's one little lamb. He said, David, this wasn't like just the guy's lamb Like, you know, that he was raising up to slaughter. This lamb was like a pet to this guy. This guy loved his little lamb. He said, and that guy went over there, that rich guy went over there and got his one little lamb. He said, we think about a guy like that, David. David stands up from his throne and he just ain't ah, anyone who would do that ought to have to pay back many times over. And he just listed all this stuff and pronounced all this judgment on this man who had taken the one little lamb. And Nathan said something for the very first time in all of history, and it's been being said ever since. ever since. He said, you the man. You're the guy. All, you just pronounced all that judgment on that rich guy who took that guy's one little lamb. He said, you're him. You did it. See, back in that culture, you could have a whole bunch of wives. I'm so glad I live today. Uh (laughs) They They were called concubines. I got a feeling if I was a woman, I just wouldn't like to be called a concubine and Heard about a preacher was preaching on that, he, on that, and he called him a cucumber vine. That didn't go over real good either. But uh, David could have had any woman he wanted. David could have picked from many women, and it would have been okay. It would have been legal. It would have been fine. But no, he went and got Uzzah's wife. not that amazing? Slow fade. I want to talk about how to get strong in God and stay strong. I want to talk about how to get right with God if you're not right. And I want to talk to you about how to stay right if you are right. If you're not right with God, you need to get right. And if you are right with God, you need to stay right. And that is exactly what David is talking about in Psalm 23.3. David is talking about how to get strong and stay strong. He says in uh, Psalm 23.3, and you can read this out loud with me if you want to, He restoreth my soul. Are y'all glad about that? That the God we serve, my shepherd, the shepherd of Psalm twenty-three one, the Lord is my shepherd. One of the things that shepherd does is bring us back back. Anybody here ever needed to be brought back? He restoreth my soul. Then he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. So, I want to talk to people who are going in the wrong direction. I want to talk to people who are sliding back. I want to talk to people who are away from God. I want to talk to people who can remember a time when it was sweeter, deeper, more joyful, more intimate than it is today. You're a Christian, but you've lost your passion. You're a Christian, but you've lost your fire. And with each passing day, it fades more and more. You know what David said? Some people say to me, I don't know how to repent, Pastor. I'm not. I, I, Vance Havner is an old Baptist preacher, and I've got a whole bunch of his tapes, and he's an incredible man of God to listen to. And, and I don't think I have a cassette player to play them on anymore, but I still got those cassettes. I'll never get rid of those. But uh, Vance Havner said one time after he got through preaching, this guy came to the altar. And wanted to get saved, wanted to give his life to God. And and the guy said, How do I do it? And Vance Havner said, You have to repent of your sins. You have to tell God, just confess your sins before God. And he said, I can't think of any. And Vance Havner said, Guess at it. Said he guessed it the first time. Some people don't know how to repent. You know what? If you don't know how to repent. Go to Psalm 51, not right now, but go to Psalm 51, and David will teach you how to repent because Psalm 51 is the prayer David prayed right after Nathan said, you to man. Psalm 51 is David's prayer to come back to God, that whole chapter is David saying, and you know what David said in that chapter? I just want to pull out one little phrase. He said in that chapter, that Psalm 51 is a prayer. The whole chapter is a prayer. David said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You can be a Christian and have no joy And I got to tell you, if you're one of those sourpuss Christians, you are one of the worst advertisements we've got out there. Because one of the one of the things that breaks my heart more than anything else is to see somebody who's got a sticker that says "Honk if you love Jesus," and then when the person honks, they get the "You're number one" sign. (laughs) You're number one. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Y'all you know, you seen those Christians? Just, just look like they were baptized in vinegar. So we're going to talk about how God restores us. And in Psalm 23, 3, there are three sections in that verse. And we're going to study Psalm 23.3 3 under three headings. And um, when I thought about these things and studied them, I'm convinced that the three, the three components of Psalm 23.3 will get you right with God, get you strong in God. And if you will keep following that same verse, will keep you strong in God. So we're going to go through that. I'll tell you something, I'm going to take my time. Going through this, it could take four Sundays. You say, I don't think we're going to finish the 23rd Psalm. You are a prophet. (laughs) First of all, we're going to look at the ministry of the shepherd. The ministry of the shepherd. The second thing we're going to look at, and this is in your notes already, I already wrote it in there. We're going to look at the ministry of the shepherd. The second thing we're going to look at is the mastery of the shepherd. And the third thing we'll look at is the majesty of the shepherd. So today, and probably next Sunday, we're going to look at the ministry of the shepherd, the ministry of the shepherd. So let's look at it. What is the ministry of the shepherd? We're the sheep, aren't we? So what's the ministry of the shepherd? David thought of himself as God's sheep. That's how you ought to think of yourself. And God thought of the Lord as his shepherd. There are three kinds of sheep that need to be brought back. Three kinds of sheep that need to be restored. Let's write them down. Three kinds. Number one, stubborn sheep. Stubborn sheep. Now, I know there aren't any in this service, but if y'all just hang around, boy, they're going to show up in a minute for the next service. Stubborn sheep. Let me tell you about stubborn sheep. You know any? You know any stubborn sheep? Don't point. Do you know any stubborn sheep? Let me tell you all some of you have to do to see a stubborn sheep. Go home and look in the mirror. (laughs) Yeah. Can I get a bat from everybody? All right. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes all I have to do to see a stubborn sheep is shave, and I can see a stubborn sheep. Stubborn sheep are the ones that are just bound and determined to go their own way, do their own thing. The shepherd keeps trying to get them to go in the right direction, but they're just so hard-headed. Y'all know that word down here in the South, hard-headed? They're just so bent on doing their own thing. And we usually think of sheep as being calm and submissive and easily led, but I want to tell you that that is not necessarily so. Sometimes a sheep can be very stubborn, very mulish. Very mulish, and they determined to go their own way. Now, we've used this verse I'm about to use. We've used it a bunch of times already, but it, I'll probably use it some more because it is such a fitting verse for this sermon series. It is in Isaiah 53 and 6. It says, All we like sheep have done what? Gone astray. We have turned everyone to his stubborn then it talks about how the Lord has laid the sins of all of us on the pure lamb, the perfect lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, one kind of sheep that needs to be restored is stubborn. The next kind that we'll talk about next week that needs to be restored is the straying sheep. Straying sheep. Now, straying sheep are not stubborn, but they are weak and they lack focus. They're weak and they lack focus and they're careless. They're careless. They're not, they don't intentionally go away. They don't willfully go away. They just, just wander off. They're not paying attention. These sheep simply stray away and they get themselves into precarious places. They fall into pits and quicksand and they fall down into the crevices and into the into the briars and the thorny bushes, and the shepherd has to come. They need the shepherd to come because they weren't paying attention. They weren't being intentional about where they were and where they should be headed. And so they drifted off, and they need the shepherd to come and bring them back into the fold. And then finally, there is the sick sheep. The sick sheep needs help because sheep's sheep. <laughs> Sheep have many diseases that can infect their body, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the series. And they have many predators who can wound them, and they can be poisoned, so sheep can be physically tremendously in need physically and they need the shepherd to come and minister to them so how does God minister to a stubborn sheep and how does God minister to a straying sheep and how does God minister to a sick sheep well every shepherd who's worth his salt has three basic tools that he carries with him all the time and they are the following a rod a staff and a bottle of oil Every shepherd has a rod, a staff and a bottle of oil. So what we're going to talk about first is the stubborn sheep. How does God deal with a stubborn sheep? He deals with a stubborn sheep by using the rod. Everybody with me? Everybody love me. You say, "Pastor, you just called us sheep and you just said God uses the rod on sheep." We are not excited. It's an act of love. Here's what he does. That shepherd finds a a little young tree, uh, maybe about this big around, and he cuts it off about right here, takes the top part of the tree and gets rid of it, discards it or uses it for something else, cleans all the limbs off, and then he doesn't cut this um, tree off at the root. He digs up the whole root system, and he pulls the whole root system up out of the ground. So he's got this—he's uh, got this club that looks like almost like a baseball bat, it's kind of size, about this long, maybe a little longer. And in the end is this knob that has roots kind of coming off of it. And so he takes out his really, really, really sharp knife, and he trims off all the roots, and he trims off that club, and then he takes his hands and he begins to work that knob and smooth it down and just really get it very, very smooth. And he works that entire rod until it is smooth, until there's no bumps or ridges or anything that would keep it from flowing through the air. Uh, very easily. And then he drives nails into that knob or he drives uh, pieces of metal and weights that knob and makes that knob heavy. And then, you know, shepherds don't really have a whole lot to do out there while they're um, shepherding their sheep. You know, when the sheep are just kind of grazing, shepherds don't really have a whole lot to do. So he'll he'll take that rod and he will just throw it And he'll set up maybe some targets or he'll pick something as a target and he'll just throw it at that target and throw it and throw it and just keep throwing it over and over again until he just gets really good at throwing it and hitting the target every time. As a matter of fact, they get so good they can knock a gnat off a pile of grits 500 feet away in heavy fog. And that ain't true, but I like saying it. Don't you feel sorry for people who don't like grits? Got any grit lovers? Man, did you hear about the guy from up north who came down, was eating in a cracker barrel? Southern girl came and said, y'all want some grits? The guy from up north said, uh, "I know." He said, I'll tell you what, put one on my plate and I'll try it. So, <laughs> I just feel sorry for people who don't even know what grits are. Isn't that just sad? Anyway, I don't know why I preached on that or even said that. I just thought it was funny. And I'm glad you some of y'all did too. Um, so he learns to throw that. I mean, it's like a guided missile. You you've seen these missiles they have in the military where they can lock on a target, press a button, and the missile kind of drops down, and then it looks like the missile's going. Hmm, where is it? Oh, there it is. Boom! You know. Well, he got like he gets like that with the with the club, and he can just he can just hit the target every single time. He also learns how to wield it like a sword when he needs to, and. Um, or like a club he uses it to protect himself a lot of times uh, robbers and thieves will take advantage of a shepherd because he they know he's out there by himself and they will take advantage of him and try to steal his flock or steal anything that he has that is of value so he learns how to use the rod to protect himself he will also use it to protect the sheep when lions and wolves and and uh, wild dogs and scavengers come out of the brush and try to kill the sheep and steal the sheep, he'll use the rod on them. But here's what I want to preach on today. Sometimes he will use the rod on the sheep because sheep are stubborn. Now, I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me today. Because here's what God's trying to do in this message. He's trying to do it for me. He's trying to do it for you. He's trying to go, if you'll listen to me, I might not have to use the rod on you. Have you ever had a parent say, "If you'll listen to me, I might not have to use the rod on you"? How many of you know that our God is a Father? He is not. Um, he is not Santa Claus, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And any Father who's worth anything. Part of his love process is going to include correction and, and discipline. So here's how God deal, does that. And we're going to study this even, even deeper next week. He will take that rod, that shepherd will, and when that when he recognizes some stubbornness in that sheep, he will begin by just pop him, popping him on the backside. And just saying, you know, don't do that, don't go in that direction. Why? Because the shepherd is angry, or the shepherd is, uh, uh, has something against the sheep, or, or the shepherd just loves hurting the sheep. No, 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 no. Why does he do that? Because that, that sheep is trying to go places where he's going to be vulnerable, where he's going to be hurt, where the predator's getting, where he's going to fall into a pit, or fall into a crevice, or fall into the quicksand, or get caught up in a thorny bush, or he's going to just be open for all those lions and tigers and bears, oh my. And so he pops him on the backside and goes, Don't go that way. And I'm doing that not because I enjoy popping you on the backside. I do that because I don't want you to get hurt. I'm trying to protect you. Discipline is protection. So then, when the sheep won't listen, he goes to the next level and pops him on the nose. That's a little more sensitive area, you know. Pop him on the head and on the nose. You know, and the sheep is like, probably cries out a little bit because that's a little bit more painful, a little bit more sensitive. And the shepherd goes, Now, I don't want to do anymore. That's all I want to do. Just stop being stubborn. Everybody hearing me out there? But there are times when that sheep is so stubborn that that shepherd will get down on his knees and he will take that rod and come right behind that front leg. And pop that leg and break that bone. And the minute he pops that leg and breaks that bone, that sheep collapses on the ground. And the shepherd already has, he already has the the material for a splint, already has it ready. And he reaches down, he grabs that sheep's leg and sets that bone and puts that splint and wraps it up. Listen, listen, listen. Then he takes that sheep and puts him around his neck. And he carries that sheep for weeks after that. So do you think the shepherd does that because he wants to do it? Of course not. The shepherd doesn't want to carry sheep around his neck. It was so cool. I got a thing on Facebook last night from one of our families that was at the bridge. He said on the way home they were talking about this. And the dad was telling the kids, you know, that, Pastor's story and how the sheep puts his, how the shepherd puts the sheep around his neck and his little boy raised his hand. He said, You have a question? He said, Yes, sir. He said, Don't the sheep pee on him? (laughs) So does the shepherd like this? No. (laughs) Leave it to kids, man. I mean, that would be a concern of mine unless you got like sheep diapers. <laughs> so so he puts, a, so he puts a, the sheep around. And then he carries it. Now listen, the whole time that sheep is up there, he has to nurture him. He can't graze. He can't eat. He can't go get water. So that shepherd has to nurture that sheep, has to bring water to that sheep and take care of him. Once that sheep's leg heals The shepherd restores him back to his feet. And from that day on, that that sheep that was so stubborn will never leave the side of the shepherd. As a matter of fact, that sheep will often, from that day forward, nuzzle his nose on the shepherd's leg no matter where the shepherd goes. The same one who was bound and determined to go his own way. Now, because of the discipline, the correction of the shepherd, now he nozzles his nose on the shepherd's leg. Headstrong. I'm going to go my way. I'm going to do my thing. Pastors warn me. My family's warned me people in my small group have warned me I'm going in the wrong direction. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that I'm flirting too much with other women. I don't want to hear that I'm going out with guys who who are leading me in the wrong direction. I don't want to hear that, that a guy at work is flirting with me and and I need to cut that off. I kind of like it, and I'm tired of everybody talking about everything I'm doing is wrong. I don't want to hear it. After a while, God taps the backside. God taps the nose. God breaks the leg. Hosea 6 and 1 This is when Israel got away from God. Look what it says in Hosea 6 and 1. Come, come and let us return to the Lord. For he has what? Who's he? God. For God has torn, but he will what? Heal us. He has stricken, but he will. The God who breaks you is the God who will bind you. Look what it says in Psalm 119.67. I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now I closely follow your word. I know this isn't popular preaching, I know. Psalm 119.71, it was good that I had to... Boy, that messed up a bunch of TV preachers if they had to preach that verse, wouldn't it? See, they don't preach this stuff because they like to get those big offerings. That's why I took up the offering before I preached this today. (laughs) It's never good to suffer. God does not want us to suffer. Yes, he does. I'm telling you, I'm so sick of hearing this. Does he take pleasure in our suffering? No, he doesn't enjoy. He's not sadistic, but he will do what he has to do to keep you close to him. It is good that I had to suffer in order to learn your laws. Now, Psalm 119, that whole chapter, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's all about the Bible. Psalm 119 is all about the Bible. It uses words like precepts, and laws, and and, uh, commands, and and all of it means the Bible. Every bit of it. There are interchangeable words all through Psalm 119. Let me just close with this illustration. When I thought about this message, I thought about old Jacob. Y'all remember Jacob and Esau? In the book of Genesis, one of the greatest Bible stories. I mean, you can make a movie about this. Jacob was is the perfect example he's one of those old testament patriarchs he, and and look here's what's so cool about it he was a shepherd so he he got it i'm sure when god took him through this process he said do you dig it and he went yeah because he was a shepherd a perfect example of a believer who gets away from God and has to be restored. And I'm telling you right now, and I'm not judging anybody and I'm not thinking about anybody, but I guarantee you there are some people who are Christians sitting in here right now and you're backsliding. You're going away from God. You're going in the wrong direction. And here's Jacob going in the wrong direction, having to be restored back to God. You remember how early in his life he had a wonderful experience with God and was very intimate with God, and then he got away from God because of greed. Greed. Let me tell you what financially difficult times will make you do. They'll make you greedy. When you used to be so generous, now we're going through a time of financial testing. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm not telling you for the sake of this church. I'm not telling you for my sake. I'm just telling you what you do not want to do in a time of fight is cut God off. Don't cut God off. You say, well, you just want want my money because you don't want the church to suffer. I tell you what, I believe in this principle so much that if you believe that about this church, go give it somewhere else. Just don't stop giving it. You don't have to give it here. Give it somewhere else. I'm just telling you, the principle is you trust God in these difficult times. Jacob was greedy, and in his greed, he tried to steal the birthright. See, his brother was born. They were twins, but his brother came out first, and so his brother got the birthright. But did you know that when he was born, when Esau was born, Jacob had him by the heel? The Bible's so cool. I just don't understand the Bible. You ain't reading it. Bad English, good preaching. He had hold of his heel. Well, Esau didn't care about the Esau didn't care about uh, the, the birthright. Esau was the first redneck in the Bible. <laughs> He's like, man, I don't care about that. You know, and but Jacob wanted the birthright. This is a good Bible study for you sometime. Jacob wanted the birthright, so what he decided to do was he and his mom got together. His mom connived with him. Matter of fact, the name Jacob means schemer, trickster, tricker, supplanter. And you remember when God blessed him, he changed his name to what? Israel. And that word Israel means prince with God. So Jacob was... was was um, going to steal the birthright, and he actually did steal it. And, uh, and so one day Jacob's going along with his group, and Esau's going along with his group, and they come. <laughs> you know, when you're traveling, back in Bible times, they would send a guy ahead. Both, you know, any party of group of people traveling would send somebody ahead to see if there's trouble ahead, a scout. And uh, his scout ran back and said, hey, Jacob, Esau's coming. And so Jacob's like, oh, and so the Bible says that God's, that Jacob sent his people on ahead, and he, listen, this this is so important, he was left alone. Jacob was left alone. I'm telling you, that's where you're going to have your best times with God. You're not going to have your best times with God here with a whole bunch of people around you, and that's fine. I love that. But you don't have your best times with God when you really get by yourself, and it's just you and him. The Bible says Jacob was left alone, and the Bible says while he was there, the angel of the Lord came. Now, when we just read that in the King James Version, or we read that in a lot of other versions, all it looks like is that an angel came. And when that angel came, that angel wrestled with Jacob. Y'all ever heard this story? That the angel wrestled with Jacob. Well, that wasn't just any angel. It was the angel of the Lord. So when you go back and look up what the angel of the Lord means, it means that that was Jesus. It was a pre-incarnate, pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, let me tell y'all something. If that blows your mind, i got great news for you. Jesus showed up several times in the Old Testament. He said, I don't think he came to Bethlehem. See? Study your Bible. You remember when Nebuchadnezzar threw the three Hebrew boys in the fire? Shadrach, Meshach, and uh, to bed we go. You remember those guys? <clears throat> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? That's all I got. Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego threw them into the fire. Nebuchadnezzar was the biggest heathen in the whole area. And he said, I see I see four men. I thought we threw three men in the fire. I see four, and the fourth one looks like Jesus, the Son of God. You say, "Well, he had never seen the Son of God." Yeah, but if God wants you to recognize somebody, He'll help you. <laughs> so He let Je- Nebuchadnezzar see who that was. Jesus showed up in the Old Testament, and this is one of the times. Melchizedek—you can study Melchizedek—that uh, that is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus, more than likely, and so. And so Jacob is wrestling with Jesus. How many of y'all know Jesus could have put him in a full half Nelson and just wiped him out right there? I don't even know what that is, but I know it ain't good. And he could have just, he just kicked his butt right there, man, and just pinned him and, you know, over. But Jesus understands that a lot of times it's the wrestling process. Isn't that the truth? It isn't the end of the battle. It's just the whole battle itself that just brings us to that place. So he let Jacob wrestle with him all night until Jacob, the the angel finally said, the angel finally said to Jacob, will you please let me go? You You know what that, you know what that angel was really saying? I'm I'm preaching too long, right? But you know what he's actually saying? He was actually saying, "Let me go, let me go. Please don't." "Let go of me. Please don't." That's what that, that's what the, that was the angel of the Lord. He's going, "Jacob, don't let go. Don't let go. Let me go." But in his, "No, don't let me go." Jacob said, "I will not let you go until you bless me." So he blessed him. He took his hip out of joint. Here's a blessing for you, boy. You ever had a joint come out? That will make you speak in tongues. <laughs> I don't care whether you believe in tongues or don't believe in tongues. You will shamalakai all over the place <laughs> when that comes out of joint. I'm telling you. <clears throat> Here she come a riding on my Honda. You know, I, I'm just saying. So, so his hip comes out of joint, and then, and then the angel Lord gives him the blessing that he needs. And, and, uh, and the Bible says, well, let me just tell you what the Bible says, and, and we'll put it up there in just a minute. Don't put it up there yet, guys. Did you know in the book of Hebrews, in the 11th chapter, it's called the Hall of Fame of Faith? And it's where the writer of the book of Hebrews, who I think was Paul, went back into the Old Testament and listed all the people in the Old Testament who were people of great faith. And guess whose name is right there? Jacob. That lying, tricking, supplanting. It was right there. And here's why it was there. Because even though Jacob was all those things, he lied, he tricked, he supplanted, he told things that weren't true, he did a whole bunch of things. But he had a heart! for God. And so that heart for God brought him around and restored him back to the shepherd. So he ended up in the hall of fame. Hallelujah. So I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've done. If you begin to make right decisions right now, you can end up in the hall of fame. So in Hebrews eleven twenty one, it says it was by faith That Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he what? Leaned upon his staff. Here's what what God's saying to you. God is saying to you, quit running and start leaning on me. Y'all remember that old song we used to sing, learning to lean, learning to lean? I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Some of you have, ha, have stopped leaning on him. Some of you, you're, you're, I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but I'm saying you don't lean on him anymore. You don't depend on him anymore. You don't go to him first anymore. The only time you go to him now is if you get so desperate, then you come to him. You remember back when you and he were really close, and, and if you had a decision to make, or you, you, I mean, you just prayed all the time about it, and you would just have little whisper prayers all the time, and you and God just walked so tight and walked so close, and you sensed his peace even when there were storms around you, and, and you had a sweetness and a joy and a calmness when everything around you wasn't calm, but you'd lost that. you have lost it. God is saying to us in this message today, lean, come on back and lean on me again. Lean on me. I tell you, we've been so blessed here in this country. It's easy not to lean. And I got got a feeling, I'm not saying God did all this economic stuff, but I'm going to tell you something. I think God's going to use this economic stuff to bring us back to him. I think we're getting getting an awakening right now. And you know what I believe? This is Pharaoh Hardison, chapter 2, verse 8. This is not the Bible. But if you, I believe if this country would turn to God right now, if they would realize, because I'm going to tell you all something, if we keep going in the direction we're going in, and we're printing money and spending money we don't have, I'm telling you right now, a collapse is coming. But I believe that this country would just... Would just come to God and say, God, you're what we need. You, we were founded on you. This country was born because of you and a, a freedom to worship you. That's why we left England and came here, is so we would have the freedom not to not to have freedom of religion. I know we got freedom of religion here, and I'm not against that, but that isn't why they came from. They came to worship Jesus. They didn't come just so they could worship anybody. They came so we could worship Jesus in this country, and we've gotten away from it. We've kicked God out of the schools, and and I'm not trying to get political here, but I'm going to tell you something. You can push God away and push him and push him and push him, And, and the further away you push him, the more the umbrella of his protection is not over you, and then all of a sudden stuff starts happening. I don't know. I'm not prophesying here, but God could be about to use his rod on this nation. But see, if you will come to Him, if you will come to Him, you will be like Elijah when when you remember when the when it didn't rain for three and a half years, and you remember how everybody died, how 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 all the grass died, and the trees died, and the animals died, and people died, and there was famine in the land. But God took care of the man who was faithful to Him. I'm telling you, if you will walk in faithfulness to God in these days that we're living in, it may crumble around you, but God will keep His hand on your life. Hear the word of the Lord today. Hear the word of the Lord. If you're away from God, come back. Come back. Come back. And I'm going to tell you something. For a preacher to stand up and tell you this so clearly as I've told you today, and you bow up at that and go, I ain't coming back. I like the way I'm going. I'm telling you, that rod's coming and it didn't come because God wants to hurt you. It's coming because God loves you. And I say it in all love. Will you just stand with me? Can I ask y'all to do something for me today, really different? Will you just walk up here? Can we feel this altar today? Will you just walk up here? I'm not gonna nobody's gonna lay hands on you or push you or do anything stupid like all that. Just come up here and just stand with me. Stand with your family and stand with your children. I don't know where you are with God. I I can't discern that. But you know where you are, and God knows where you are. And you know if you're running, and you know if you're drifting away. And you know if months ago or years ago you had a lot better walk with him than you got right now. You know that. I mean, I don't know, but you and God know. So let's come back. You say, what have I got to do to come back? I mean, pastor, I've been drifting for years. I've been moving away from God for years. Isn't that the amazing thing about the love of God? You can drift away for years, but come back in a split second. You can drift away from God over a period of years, but if this morning you would say, God, I am so sorry for just going my own way and being stubborn and doing my own thing and just ignoring you, and I am so sorry about that, God, and I just really want to come back to you, and I want to get back at your feet, and I want to get tight with you like I used to be, and God, I I ask you to forgive me for being the prodigal son, and, and Lord, I want to come back home, and I want to get close to you again. If you will pray that and just pray it really sincerely out of your heart. And I'm telling you, man, God will hear you. And he'll be just like that prodigal son in Luke 15 when the Bible says, The father saw him a great way off and ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him and said, Let's celebrate. My son who was dead is alive again. Just come back. Father, you've heard this attempt to say to these people what you've given me to say today. I've done all I can do, God. I've done all I can do. I've said all I can say. Now it's up to us. It's up to the individual. It's up to our church. God, what are we going to do with this message today? Lord, if there's any stubbornness in us, God, reveal it. Reveal it to us. We repent. I repent as the pastor of Whitley Church. I repent as the pastor of the bridge. I repent for the stubbornness in my own heart. I repent for the stubbornness as a man of God and a Christian. I repent, God, for being stubborn. I ask you, please, to embrace me. And, Father, let me come back to you at a place I've never been spiritually. Just repent of that stubbornness right now. Just say, God, and you can say it in your heart. God, I repent of my stubbornness. I repent. Some of you are losing your marriage. Some of you are losing your finances. Some of you are losing, and God's just kind of tapping you. He's kind of tapping you, tapping you on the nose and tapping you on the backside. And why don't you just say to him right now, God, I come to you. I, I hear you, God. I hear you. I hear you. You don't have to get the rod out. You don't have to break my leg, God. I hear you. I feel the tapping. I feel it, and I come back. I respond to that. I want to be close to you. I want to be close to you. And these days, when every time I turn on the TV, there's war and death and the the economy, and God, I, I just want to be right at your feet during that time. I want to be under the umbrella of your love and your protection with me and my family. Thank you, Father, for this day, for this word today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, God bless you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming.